Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, offering quality live programming with holistic, intuitive, and spiritual hosts. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to We Get Results. It's Tuesday, November 24th, 2020, and I'm your host, Mary Singer Albertson. If you haven't joined me before, uh, We Get Results is aired on the fourth Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern and archived for later listening. The purpose of We Get Results is to discuss challenges we're facing in the U.S. and globally and connect listeners to ways they can make a difference. Uh, Everyone can get results if they know what to do and want to help make changes for the betterment of those who have no voice. One of the best ways I've found all these years, probably about 15 years ago, um, is for one person to make a difference is taking action through the results organization. We are a volunteer citizens lobby, meeting with Congress to create the political will to end hunger and poverty. So check out www.results.org. Click on the successes page to see what has been accomplished by volunteers in the past 40 years. So um, the focus for today's program is on keeping Americans housed and fed and helped during COVID-19 and beyond. We have an affordable housing crisis, which we've had since before COVID. And um, so uh, we need more quality, affordable housing. Today I'm joined by two people from Result, one staff member to find out what um, are the challenges and what can be done to assist the people who are experiencing financial difficulty. Um, my other guest has joined with me, and she is, is Rachel Fox, and she is part of Results um, Experts on Poverty, and she'll tell us a little bit about what she's been experiencing. So um, what do we need from Congress to keep Americans stable and healthy? Housing stability is key. We're going to find out from our guests exactly what's happening and what we can do. So first I'll tell you a little bit about the background of my guest. And as I said, Rachel Fox is um, uh, someone who is part of Results Experts on Poverty. And she describes herself as a chronically ill Spoonie, an artist from New Jersey, who uses her voice to spread awareness of disability issues and aids results by speaking from a perspective of living through poverty. And uh, so we're going to speak with Rachel in just a minute. And I'm going to tell you about Meredith Dodson, who is a staff member of Results. And she serves as the director of Results U.S. Poverty Campaign Work, overseeing Results legislative and coalition work on budget and tax policy, anti-hunger programs, and other U.S. anti-poverty initiatives. She also works directly with Results Grassroots Network, training and supporting results volunteers all over the country, helping them build relationships with members of Congress and their staff, generating local media and network with local community groups and other allies to build the organization. She's been on staff with results since 1998 and lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband, son, and daughter. So, Meredith, are you there? Can you hear me? I am. Thanks for having me today, Mary. Neil, thanks for being on there. And Rachel, can you hear me? I can indeed. Oh, good. 
Well, we're going to find out a little more about this because this is something that's like a dire emergency that we need something to be acted on in Congress immediately, and there's not much time before their Christmas recess, and we really, this cannot wait until January. So we want to talk about that today, and um, let me get to hear what I was going to start with asking you, Rachel. Um, Just welcome. There are so many challenges with COVID-19, and I thought maybe... um, you could let people know what types of things you're going through during all these this, these challenging times and how it's impacting you personally. Sure, um, I am I am one of the the, the many people struggling financially and uh, dealing with impending um, housing insecurity. Uh, I'm on disability. Um, and even though it's, it takes three years and, and a whole legal process to prove yourself disabled to get on Social Security disability, it does not allot you to live above the poverty line. So being uh, expected to survive on $820 a month is already difficult. Um, in COVID mm-hmm. times, you've got, you know, I, I, I can't go to the normal stores that I would go to that are cheaper. Um, my food stamps do not stretch as far because now I am buying most of my things online from places like Amazon. Uh And while it's great that now we're allowed to use Amazon and Walmart, uh, et cetera, for food stamps, um, in, in my state, I I don't know, I don't think all states can do that, but they expanded it and that's great, but it's still twice as expensive as the stores Mm -hmm. that I would like to, you know, um, to uh, purchase things from and support my local stores. But I mean, in addition to mm-hmm. that, I, I only live in an apartment by having a roommate that pays most of my rent. And since that mm-hmm. situation has fallen apart, I'm now forced to look for housing and there is nothing in my, oh. um, in my price bracket. Like literally there is, there is nothing. There's nowhere to live. Um, for in, in the state of New Jersey, uh, a, a bedroom alone wow. has to cost around $800. And that's my monthly, that's everything I have. Yeah. Where are you in New Jersey? Uh, I'm in Hudson County. I'm right out, I'm, I'm in Jersey City, right, right outside of New York. So it is okay. maybe a bit expensive, but you're talking about most people in my financial bracket can't afford a car. And so mm-hmm. that's a huge issue in dealing with affordable housing because when you're talking about people who are broke enough to need some assistance, you're probably not able to afford a car. And therefore, you need to stay in, in city areas, places that have public transportation. And a, a big issue is a lot of the, the proposed um, housing structures that they want to build are it's the whole not in my backyard and they want them to be far away and that Mm -hmm. doesn't work for people who are so poor that they don't have a car um that's that's one major issue um Mm -hmm. but then there's just you have section eight the waiting lists are years long if they're even open in the state of new jersey right now there's only two waiting lists that are even open one of them is for vets only Um, the other waiting list, it it takes on average, maybe five years to, to get your name called. Uh, Uh, I don't know what people are supposed to do until then. 
um, uh, Section 8, uh, you have the, the, the housing projects, but those don't work for the extremely poor like myself because only 30% of their units are set aside for the very poor, and those go immediately because people who are as broke as me don't have anywhere else to go. So you have 70% uh, of the units of these low-income housing of people, people that make almost twice as what I do. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's no resources left for people in my situation, basically. Mm-hmm. And what about um, as far as like medication or drugs or whatever you need for your condition? Um, is there, and do you have insurance and, and how is that all working? I, I'm, since I'm on disability, I have Medicare and Medicaid um, because I'm poor enough that I also have Medicaid. Um, that's another issue for people in my bracket because uh, even if I weren't on disability, I need my Medicaid to have access to my medications that I need to function. And mm-hmm. you can't make more than... 1400 and change, let's say like 1500 if you make $1,500 a month as a, a single individual, I'd make too much to be on Medicaid. But you're talking about oh. uh, a situation where rent alone for a, a one-bedroom apartment is roughly $1,500 a month. So you're expecting people to live in poverty <laughs> so that they can get access to the, the medications that they need and not be able to afford an apartment. Like you're literally asked to, to choose between housing and health. Well, that's horrible. Um, as far as like um, uh, other expenses and costs that have come up with coronavirus and Meredith, if you want to chime in any time, go ahead. Um, are there other costs too that have, have come up besides uh, food stamps and uh, um, that type of thing? I mean, transportation uh, and and oh, mm-hmm. just general, all the things that you need to take to keep yourself safe. I'm, I'm high risk. I have lung issues and autoimmune issues. So personally, I don't really mm. go out much. <laughs> um, but yeah. there is the added, every dollar counts when you're on a, a budget mm-hmm. this low. So having to buy extra uh, disinfectant and masks and... Um, trying to figure out transportation. I have doctors that I have to see in Manhattan, and I can't take public transportation. I'm afraid to go on the subway, so now I have to um, take a ferry across the the river, and that's $7, which is a lot of money to someone in my situation who's used to using, you know, uh, $1.50 for a Metro card. So um, every every tiny bit counts and it, it all adds up. So that's even less money that, that there is to pay something like rent. Well, and you mentioned to me too that it's also hard because you have if you are f- trying to find a roommate, you have to find someone who's being careful and safe, right? That's that's a huge that's a huge issue and that's another issue why being in my situation trying to find a place to live now I have to live alone, which I can't afford but living with mm-hmm. roommates is, is literally putting my life at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, a, that's another really distressing choice to have to make. Um, my current situation, yeah. I'm, I'm in a 
situation with my landlord. I have mold in my apartment, uh, and he refuses to fix it. So I'm stuck in a moldy apartment, which is bad for my health, especially during a pandemic. But the alternative is to leave the apartment. Even if I could find a place that I could afford, it would probably put my life at risk. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry you just have so many challenges right now. I know that that there are so many people like you or people that, you know, have just lost their jobs and uh you know, we we have a family member that just um lost her job last week. It was a good job and now she's lost her health insurance and doesn't know what she's gonna do. Um and that's just one small that's one small thing, but there are so many people um Maybe uh, what what do you think? What worries you most about the wave of all the evictions that are going to come through if they don't extend? Well, that's a, that's a huge issue because number one, you have this this wave of evictions that's coming, and when you have an eviction on your record, no landlord will rent to you. So regardless of how justifiable it was, and even if let's say like in my situation, I have mold, even if you win that case. Um, once mm-hmm. it goes to trial, you still have an eviction as as something mm-hmm. that a landlord could look up. And even if it was deemed justifiable and the landlord was at fault, no landlord is going to rent to you. Um, oh. And so you're going to have a wave of people who are being evicted through no fault of their own, no no neglect of, of their own responsibilities. And now there's going to be thousands of people that can't find uh, even a place to legally rent, even if they could afford to. And where does that leave them? Living in their cars, hotels, or mm-hmm. substandard illegal apartments? Um, and and even before that, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be negotiating with uh, lawyers um, to try to get some sort of settlements so that they don't have an eviction on their record, mm-hmm. which means the wave of people looking for housing and desperate for housing is going to happen even before the uh, eviction moratorium ends. And that ends at the end of this year, right? At the end of December? At the end of December federally, but I know at least in the state of New Jersey, um, uh, the governor has uh, declared uh, a, a moratorium for as long as there's a state of emergency in New Jersey, plus two months. So okay. um, I know th- yeah, so okay. some states may have uh, similar mm-hmm. similar things going on. You know what they're doing for uh, D.C., Meredith? I mean, the, so hi, Mary. Thanks for and Fox. Thanks so much for sharing <laughs> kind of the on the ground perspective. Um, uh, well, I can give you an update on the federal side, which is, you know, we sure. we at Results and many others are are really pushing both Congress and um, the new administration uh, to enact a strong federal eviction moratorium um, beyond uh, when the the CDC one expires at um, on New Year's. Um, so I think that's really important. DC right now has kind of stronger um, protections for renters uh, here locally than in some other cases. But I, you know, a lot of times what happens, we're seeing this across the country, is that a landlord might threaten eviction. Um, uh, folks might not know that they're protected right now, or um, 
uh, might not, you know, are fearing what will happen with the kind of eviction on their record, um, the way Fox talked about. And so a lot of folks kind of leave and go into, um, go into what are unsafe uh, situations of doubling or tripling up or are experiencing homelessness right in the middle of a pandemic because they're worried about uh, the possibility of an eviction happening. And so, uh, you know, that's happening, of course, here in D.C., but nationwide, Mm -hmm. too. It might not be captured in the official eviction numbers, but um, that is another huge concern. So it's really important that our policymakers in D.C. send a strong message about, you know, that evictions – kind of preventing evictions in the context of the pandemic, but also, you know, renters and landlords, honestly, are struggling to with bills, and we need resources, too. We need emergency rental assistance and not just right. an eviction moratorium. So um, that's obviously mm-hmm. something we've been pushing forward to. Yeah. I, it, it, was, it was sort of a kind of a shock almost when I read uh, – your words, Rachel, about a huge number of people with the scarlet E of eviction in their records. I just, it's like the scarlet letter. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that they're also doing that to people. But um, when it's usually not their fault that they can't, you know, they can't pay it if they've lost their job. Um, Meredith, do you think um, there's going to be anything happening with... um, um, in a, a pandemic, you know, package before they leave for Christmas. When do they leave anyway for Christmas or holiday? So, um, so they are they're scheduled to leave um, mid December. This is and as a reminder for folks, I think everyone is well aware we just had an election, um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, this is. Uh, this is the current Congress. Um, the new members of Congress who were elected don't, um, don't, with one or two exceptions, don't get sworn in until January. So this is the Congress that we had um, throughout the year. They are scheduled to leave around December 11th. Um, there's a chance maybe they'll they'll stay in D.C. another week or so. But um, so we've got a very short turnaround time for some really important policies. Um, that are very much needed um, across the country. Um, and I'm, mm-hmm. Mary, would you like me to talk a little bit more about what they've passed and what we're hoping for? Of course, yes. Um, so, um, you know, we know as the pandemic was beginning, there, Congress did come together on a bipartisan basis to pass legislation. And what's exciting is that we have clear research about the impact that that legislation made. It it really prevented uh, hardship and poverty from increasing as things kind of shut down at the start of the pandemic. Um, and I'm really grateful for the researchers at Columbia University who um, helped us understand um, the difference there. But most of those uh, measures have expired, um, and uh, including things like, um, uh, you know, there were one-time cash payments, um, stimulus payments to households, there were um, additional unemployment benefits, et cetera. So a lot of those really important measures have expired. And as a result, again, the researchers at Columbia and others have found that about 8 million people are falling below the poverty line um, unless Congress acts. 
So um, this fall, or actually throughout the summer and and fall, you had the the U.S. House of Representatives have have passed additional relief packages, large-scale relief packages that include things like um, rental assistance and also, you know, increased uh, boost in in food assistance, some other measures. Um, And uh, earlier this fall, Speaker Pelosi and um, the Trump administration's Treasury Secretary um, Mnuchin, Stephen Mnuchin, were negotiating over a multi-trillion dollar package but those negotiations uh, were put on hold before the election, and um, and now we're really hoping and we are pushing um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and his Republican Senate colleagues to really pick up negotiations for a strong package that includes a lot of key measures. Um, uh, so that's, that's something where, that's really important. So any of your listeners who especially have Republican senators, I hope maybe they'll uh, pause this podcast and uh, yeah. right now go ahead and call, um, call your Republican senators, urging them to pass a, a strong um, relief package that includes things like rental assistance and um, mm-hmm. food assistance, et cetera. Um, so that's what we're hoping will happen before Congress leaves, you know, on or about December 11th. Yeah, because didn't they, weren't they, uh, didn't Mitch McConnell say he only wanted, what, maybe $500 billion instead of the trillions for for assistance? Yeah, and the scope of, of what the Senate has put forward, you know, at least earlier this summer and fall, was very focused on some of the business provisions, but not necessarily focus on, you know, people, the people who are experiencing hardship, um, not just because of the direct health um, crisis, but also the economic crisis that we're in right now. So the, uh, the, both the scale of what um, the Senate had put forward, but also the focus of it really wasn't on those people who we know are um, struggling to put food on the table right now. You know, many of us are preparing yeah. for spending holiday time, um, celebrating, yet we know that um, uh, half of households, for instance, with children, according to the Census Bureau data that's just a couple weeks old, are confident, uh, uh, very confident they can put food on the table during the holidays. So mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely a need to act. Yeah. And if you, if you have, didn't see it in the next last couple of days on Facebook, they showed the lines and lines and lines of cars this was particularly in Texas, but they said there were something like 25,000 people in 6,000 cars or something like that. I may be getting that wrong, but it was unbelievable. It was just a sea of cars and lines. And, you know, I thought, I thought the line was for COVID testing, but when I looked it up, it was no, it was for food assistance. So things are very dire right now. And, um, there's been lots of things that Congress has been focused on that haven't been the most important things. And uh, we need to get them focused on this. And I hope people that are listening will do what Meredith suggested, and that is calling your Congress people. Um, so, and letting them know that, you know, how many people did you say, or did you say we're out of work right now? Only half the jobs have been put back that were out um before, do you remember how much it, how many people were out of work right now, Meredith? 
Um, I don't remember off the top of my head that exact um, yeah. the latest numbers as they've just come out. But um, you know, the other thing to keep a couple other things to keep in mind as we think about that. You know, we, you know, even before the pandemic and this economic downturn, you know, a lot of folks were struggling. Um, uh, uh, for instance, with affording housing or putting food on mm-hmm. the table. Um, and when you look, there's some particularly um, frightening data around, you know, where, you know, kind of a lot, who is experiencing kind of long-term unemployment at this point and mm-hmm. um, the disproportionate impact that this, that this crisis is having. Um, but it is about right that, you know, kind of, in the fall, about half of the the jobs that were that were lost um, were um, regained. But of course, with the cases <laughs> skyrocketing and a lot of uh, public health experts saying, "Hey, going into this winter, we really need to, in order to um, save people's lives, we need to kind of shut things down further." Yeah. I think we could see um, additional. Rather than continued job gain, job gains, I think we are going to see even more hardship over the next few months. Even if you know the headlines are you know longer term that things are looking good with things with kind of vaccines yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I know I, anecdotally, I found... a number of of people that are 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 already on their last legs, and this winter is is they're afraid that they're going to lose their businesses. I mean, I know in Manhattan there are a number oh. of restaurants and bars that are. Are probably not going to survive till spring, and and same with with businesses. Right. Well, and I found the the um, my notes on that, and it said um, only half of the jobs lost since the beginning of the pandemic leaving have been you know have them back, and leaving over 10 million people unemployed, many of them low wage workers and Black, Indigenous, and people of color. The failure of Congress to pass the COVID-19 relief package has left millions of renters at risk of becoming homeless. And then also globally, the resources to treat things like AIDS, TB, and malaria, um, leading killers of kids such as malnutrition, pneumonia, and diarrhea have been diverted to address COVID. And so now we're seeing a secondary pandemic of hunger, poverty, and sickness caused by COVID-19. And it doesn't seem like Congress is even at the negotiating table. We need to do something immediately to try to get them to do this. Um, I would Anything add to that, that? Uh, you had mentioned, you know, the, the number of, of businesses and low-paying jobs that are not available. A number of, of the, the jobs that have been lost uh, are, are people in the service industry, and those are people that came, mm-hmm. get paid mostly by tips and in cash, so they don't even have unemployment to rely on they really need no. some some relief because they are not they're not in in the system so much you know like they're people in the service industry are in far worse shape than i am right now uh-huh. well i know it and it, that was an, another piece that came out through results and it said um the Fed and economists are saying that without action by Congress, the U.S. economy is in trouble, is in big trouble. And um, they can't ignore this any longer. It's just, you know, all the things that are coming up about uh, election and COVID and different, you know, things that are going on in the country, um, while important, you know, 
this is the most important. This is our people. This is our people struggling, and they aren't going to make it if they don't do another uh, pandemic package to help. Um, Meredith, what else can you say about um, anything that we should do or um, anything else on that? Well, I think um, one of the things uh, that I think is a we can do is not only directly communicate with Congress, and in particular, as I mentioned, you know, I think it's clear that um, Republican senators need to be calling for, you know, a strong package to pass before the end of the year um, yes. and put more pressure on those policymakers. Talk about what is happening in your community. You know, you can call into those offices. You can send um, you can communicate via email if you go to Senate.gov or you can send them an, uh, an email, you know, that gives you some talking points right at results.org. The other thing we can do is harness the power of media, um, which still has mm-hmm. a lot of influence over um, political priorities in Washington. So, you know, um, one of the tools that results volunteers use uh, and do such a great job on is, um, with letters to the editor and other pieces on the opinion page. Um, so this week, uh, you've got a natural, quote, hook to respond because folks are, you know, there's lots of attention on, you know, uh, both kind of gathering for the holidays, but also, you know, kind of uh, food drives and other things that people do um, mm-hmm. to address hunger in their community. I think that's a natural place where you could, you know, tailor the talking points at results.org to take action and call out in your local media for Congress to to act on um, much-needed food assistance along with other measures like help with rent, um, et cetera. So that's that's another idea for folks. Um, And then, of Mm -hmm. course, you know, people can get more if they want to get involved more long-term because we know, you know, there's both immediate needs, but, you know, there's, there's obviously we're in a period where we're going to be facing kind of a long recovery and a lot of underlying issues that we need to address that are directly linked to, you know, the legacy of racist housing policies, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, people can sign up to, to get involved with results and get the kind of training to meet with their policymakers face-to-face, which is going to be really important when we are going with a new administration and a new Congress to really set those priorities with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the new administration and the Biden team has put out things to do with really working on these issues and making them a, a huge priority as soon as they get in. So I'm hopeful about that. And um, I think that, um, you know, there's so in the past, sometimes the legislators would say, oh, well, there's all these food banks and all these churches that are helping people just like the same thing with Flint water crisis. There's all these churches. Well, you know, that it's just a small part that they can play in that because it's just, the numbers are just so huge and uh, we got to make Congress know that they have got to act on this. And um, I hope very much that after the, after January, we have a Congress or in the Senate that will work harder on these type of issues. So that's what I think about But we need to make our voices and, heard, you know, to make that yes. happen. And the thing oh, I yeah. think, you know, I just really want to compa- uh, commend Fox or Rachel. Um, 
uh, for sharing that kind of real experience. I think that's incredibly important that um, that people are kind of telling their stories and making these issues real. Um, uh, Fox, feel free to chime in if there's anything you would say, kind of tips on how to do that or how you've been involved in doing that. Uh, number one, I think that the stigma of being ashamed of being poor is a huge issue uh, that is contributing to these issues not being dealt with. People are ashamed of being on food stamps. People are ashamed of being broke. And I think that's a shame because at this point, I think it's fairly obvious that a lot of the system is, is gained against us. Um, especially for people like myself, the, the disabled or the elderly, who, you know, we're, the, the state should be taking care of us. And I don't think that we should be ashamed of, of our state of life. Um, I, I think that's, that's a huge issue in my mind that the, especially the disabled and the elderly, we should be given a living wage. <laughs> There's so much push right yeah. now for minimum wage, and I, it's unfathomable to me that that people on Social Security, veterans, it, were kept below the poverty line. Should we not at least be at the poverty line? And if we were given a living wage, that would help take the pressure off of all of these other smaller systems. You know, like if you strengthen the base, you wouldn't have to worry so much about – you know, if you gave people enough money to live, there there wouldn't be such mm -hmm. a, an affordable housing issue if people weren't struggling so much. Um, and if I can just mention uh, my my own personal, uh, I I am a huge advocate for Section Eight, especially right now, um, because affordable housing is needed and people can build buildings, but we need it now. And with this wave of evictions coming and Section 8, there, there's already so many people on these waiting lists, people who've been waiting years, they're ready to go. They've already filled out their forms. If you want to do, make, take care of a lot of, uh, of this wave of eviction before it hits, just fund Section 8. That's, that's already, they're already in the system. You know, and and the, the benefit to me of Section 8 as opposed to building these structures is you're not putting the poor people elsewhere. I think psychologically that helps a lot. You're, you're keeping people within society and not having them feel separate and, and having to break their way into the rest of society. And I think that's, that's a huge, I think that's a huge thing. Um, just wanted mm -hmm. to throw that in there. Um, and also section yeah. eight is, is, superior to building projects because when you build affordable housing projects, as I mentioned, they only put 30% aside for the extremely low income, whereas Section 8 is uh, 70%. So mm -hmm. if, if you want to help the very poor and keep homelessness uh, from, from crashing a, a, around us, that's, to me, that that's a, a grand solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am... Um... And I wonder how you feel about this or you too, Meredith. I always wonder how people, when you say they're, you know, they um, are embarrassed or whatever, I always feel like um, saying that people are poor is different than saying someone is experiencing poverty. 
and you're going through it, you're not staying in it, hopefully. And I just wondered if, if you guys had anything to say about, you know, saying the poor people as opposed to they're experiencing something in poverty that uh, they're going through it, a challenge. I think Maybe that's that a class issue um, because when you're talking about someone who, you know, let's say a, a, a white a woman who ends up uh, a single mom. She has a college education, but now she's single and she's working. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a lot of money. She'll go on food stamps. Sure, that would apply to her situation. You know, mm-hmm. she's experiencing poverty. But when you're talking about, um, you know, disenfranchised populations who have been trapped in poverty for generations, um, yeah. that you don't have uh, – if if you have a kid there and, and you don't have the benefit of the kind of education that would give you a well-paying job, there is no job you can get that's going to provide you enough money to pay for childcare. So you have to stay home right. with your kid. It's a financial choice that, that there, there is no choice financially between getting a job or staying home with your kid and remaining on benefits. That's, that's mm-hmm. the only choice you have or someone like myself who's on disability. I'm I'm stuck here. Yeah. The poverty mm-hmm. is right. my future uh, if I want to keep access to health care. So, yeah. um, you well, know, that's so to, to me, I use poor. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I, I, I use the term poor somewhat defiantly um, because I, I, I am, I am a poor person. Um, from no fault of my own. <laughs> so I, I use yeah. the term poor um, proudly, <laughs> somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will say, uh, so this is Meredith. I know um, I, I totally appreciate Fox like kind of claiming that identity. and I, uh, But I do know there are a lot of folks who don't want to be defined by that. They are people first. Um, right. And, you know, but the, I, I, I think it's a really important point about, you know, kind of the, anyway, I, I do think um, similar to, um, you know, people who were enslaved versus saying slaves. Like, I think that we need to keep right. humanity first when we're referring to folks. But, um, and at the same point, you know, I totally appreciate uh, that I think some really important distinction that, that Fox just made, but I just wanted to share that for yeah. some folks. Yeah. I think that's kind of, I, I think keeping front and center the humanity of all the folks we're talking about. And um, especially right now when so many are experiencing hardship. Right. Yeah. Well, Meredith, do you have anything else you want to leave us with? Or get into. Again, I hope folks follow the example of Fox, um, follow your <laughs> example, Mary, and uh, engage. You know, your voices are incredibly needed right now and really powerful. Um, I urge you to lift up those voices. Tell these policymakers uh, that you, you know, what issues are important to you. You can, you can um, find tools to do that and, and much more at results.org and with other organizations. But this is a time we need to be really doubling down to, to push uh, for the kinds of really important and life-saving policies that are clearly needed. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when people think about calling someone's office, 
you know, maybe they get a little hesitant when they haven't done it before. But when you call, you just talk to the staffer that answers the phone and you leave a message and you know so much more than they do about what you're talking about that it really isn't intimidating. It it's, makes you feel really good to do that. So maybe sometime you would get a, a, a member of Congress. I don't know, but probably not. And, um, you know, if you if you make your case and you tell them a little bit of your personal story too, then that should get back to their boss. And if, if you have more than one person that can call in a day or two days, you know, they get five or ten calls on the same thing, and they will definitely put it through to their boss. So that's kind of what we've been trying to do. Rachel, you got anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, I made my my whole pitch about Section 8. <laughs> that, was, that was my yeah. um, I will I will add that um, I've been, to, to your point, I've been shocked, quite honestly, when speaking on affordable housing, Section 8, and, and whatnot, um, to members of government and them being, oh, can you send me those numbers? And I've been, you know, shocked, like, but that's, that's your job. I'm just a person in the world. Um, yeah. But you're right. They don't, they don't, there's, there's too much going on. They don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's and our job to point it out to them. them. Yeah. You can refer them to the results website for one thing, if people don't know. And a lot of times, even if we're at a meeting and someone says, you know, the, the member of Congress says, well, what about this? What's the, what's the statistics or whatever? And, you know, you don't have to be worried because all you can really say is, you know, I'm not totally positive and I will get back to you with those numbers and, right. you know, feel perfectly confident that you don't have to know everything. So um, we'd love to have more people join us. Uh, we are making a difference and, um I hope people will check out results.org and, and think about joining a group or being on their own uh, through the computer. Um, Meredith, anything else on that? And then we'll close it up. Nope, I think we covered it. Please please get involved. Your voice is really, really important right now. For sure. Yep, and it's in, you know, we've always said, oh, everyone has to vote. Everyone has to vote. Okay, everyone voted. Now we're not done. You know, I, we went to see one congressperson once and they said, you know, you vote, you voted for us, you voted us in, but then you don't even tell us what you want. You know, I mean, there's some that probably don't want to know what we want, but but <laughs> we want to tell everybody what we want. We've elected yeah. them. They're representing us. We're their boss. We can fire them by not voting for them. So let them know what you want, what's important to the people that are having a hard time and have no voice. So. Thank you guys both for uh, being on. And um, Thank if you. there's any other questions, you, Meredith, Mary. do you want to leave an email or anything for anyone that has a question about results? Actually, I think the best way, you know, we've got ways to contact us at results.org. That's probably the best the best way okay. to, to, to reach out, um, and then we can kind of connect folks with yeah. what they need. And thank you, Fox. Yeah, especially. It's always inspiring to hear oh, directly thank you. from you. Yeah, that was great, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel, Thanks. for your story and everything. And I hope, I hope things work out and um, and things get better for everyone. It's the holiday yeah. season. We have we have things to be thankful for, but there are some people that don't have too many things to be thankful for, and we need to work for them. So yes, thank you guys again, and um, I will talk with everyone again next month. Anyone needs any info from me? It's m albertson05 at aol.com. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving.
Thank you. Likewise. Happy holidays. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. We appreciate you, Meredith, all you do for us. Indeed. Thanks, both of you. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you, Mary. And thank you. Thank you, Rachel, also. Okay. Yay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.